If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Heck, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. Welcome to our season two premiere, the 17th chapter in the Geek Catch-Up Saga. I'm Kyle Eckerd. I'm Chris Heck. And today we're going to be taking a deep dive into our summer of gaming and beyond. Chris and I took a short break, so we'll catch you up on what we've been playing, reading, watching, all of the above. But before we do, we'd like to take a moment and say thank you for listening. If you'd like to help us spread the word about our show, please share us with your friends. Catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Catch Up Pod, on Facebook and YouTube, Geek Catch Up Podcast, and of course, our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. We appreciate the love. So 2020 has been a weird year all around, but it's especially taken a toll on the summer months, a time when you expect to be barbecuing a little bit, maybe spending some time outside. But with everything that's been going on, we found ourselves inside more than usual. Not that we're complaining, because it leaves us a little more time to indulge our hobbies. Yeah, it was definitely a weird start to the year for us because of obviously everything going on with the pandemic. And then for us, we've been kind of in the thick of things with getting Geek Ketchup going and growing. And so our plan after, you know, a busy initial six months of the year was to take a break in July. But ultimately, I think I'd call it more of a a half break. (laughs) Yeah, a half break. And we stepped away for a little bit. Yeah, we, we weren't actively recording new episodes, but we did put a lot of time into Geek Ketchup to enhance things like our intro that you may have just heard, how we handle some of our social media. Um, we also started the process of getting some swag made, so keep an eye out in the coming weeks for info on how to get things like maybe Geek Ketchup shirts and pins and stickers. So even though we had stepped away from, from creating new episodes, we were doing a ton during our break for Geek Ketchup, and so super excited about all of that. For me personally, though, I, I did spend the first half of July taking care of Link, our 100-pound boxer mix, um, while he was wearing the cone of shame. Yeah, the cone of shame. Poor guy. He had a a little surgery on his paw, had some stitches, and so he had two weeks of the cone, and he did great, and he has fully recovered. He wasn't too much trouble. Um, That took some effort and time early, you know, because you got to keep him away from digging at it and scratching at it and ripping those stitches out. I think everybody's probably had an animal that's (laughs) had to wear the cone, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Glad to hear that he's recovered well and and doing good. He he looks so upset in the picture that you had posted (laughs) with with the cone on. He just looks so mad. And he is like, historically, Link is just a very happy-go-lucky dog. Oh, yeah. So to see him upset. (laughs) He He was pissed. That was like 30 minutes after we put the cone on him. And he was just kind of like walking around all <laughs> all depressed and unhappy. But normally, yeah, he is super happy-go-lucky. He figured out, though, I'll say this, he figured out over time that he could like attack you with the cone. So if you were standing there, since it gave him like kind of like horns in a way, you know, this extra room. Yeah. He'd just come up to you and like ram you in the ass with it and, you know, be like, I want you to do <laughs> something. Feed me, you know? And it's like, God, what was that? Yeah. How did Zelda <laughs> react to it? I think Zelda was just like, what the hell is wrong with you, bro? Yeah, yeah. So Chris's other dog, Zelda. Yeah, my other dog, Zelda. She's had to wear the comb before, too, so she knows what it's like. Yeah, she knows the pain and suffering. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, it changes things. It kind of calms him down a little bit, you know, for that time period. But he, as soon as he was out of it, he was out running around and... Doesn't seem to have any issues with his paw, so we're happy all in all. There you go. Back to chasing squirrels and rabbits and birds. Yeah. What about you, man? So July has been a little crazy. Uh, Obviously, you know, 
continuing on with all the Geek Catch-Up stuff and trying to get that new intro made. We've got a lot of videos and YouTube content coming your way as well. But we've also been in the process of trying to buy a new house. Oh. Or just, I shouldn't say a new house, buy a house. <laughs> that, that's a whole thing to do when you're not in the middle of a pandemic. Yep. So doing it in the middle of a pandemic has been pretty crazy. It's completely stress-free. Oh, yeah. No biggie. Yeah, completely <laughs> stress-free. It's, it's been fine. I'm not grinding my teeth at night or anything, uh, you know. <laughs> but no, we've been looking at trying to buy a new house. And so obviously that's going to mean moving here in the next couple months. So getting all of that figured out and situated. Work has been a little crazy. So not something I've talked about too much here on the show, but I do work in educational tech and that has been a little stressful as a lot of, you know, public schools and things like that around the country are moving to an all virtual environment. Right. So as somebody that works in educational tech and then the behind the scenes type things, it's been a pretty crazy July getting ready for a fall semester that will be all online and uh, something that at least in my area, we've never quite approached. Yeah. I mean, everybody's trying to take routes that they've never driven before you know especially in education and every school system's approaching it differently we've talked a lot about it but it's kind of wild just to see all the different options that are going on and the scramble to, to get this going i work from home 100 percent of my time so it's a little bit different because for me it's like this is just everyday life yeah <laughs> but for industries like yours it's a total you know 180 from what you're used to. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's been a crazy transition from, I think we started the work from home process in March, and it, it took a couple of weeks to settle in and get used to that. And now it's, well, there's a whole new thing where we're, we're going to be doing completely synchronous learning, you know, with Zooms and Google Meets and live chats with students and stuff and making sure that everything is prepared and good to go. And um, on my side of things, it's teaching teachers how to use tools to enhance their online environment. So very important work these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never felt more important at work than I have the past <laughs> couple months. Well, I can relate to some of the job stuff because I really I recently started a new job as what they call a scrum master uh, at my work. So a lot of my time every day through July was just doing tons of training. And uh, we'll just call my employer Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> you know, we do work in technology and, and get a lot. So there's a whole bunch going on, lots of change. So, you know, once again, it was nice to have the the little bit of a break from some of what we were doing with Geek Ketchup. But, you know, life doesn't stop. 2020 is definitely changing things for everybody. Uh, so we had a whole lot going on with work. I know for me, I kind of leaned back on not just some of the games that we're going to talk about later as a way to kind of relax, but I, I really was still putting as much effort as I could into finding as much time as possible to relax from playing my guitars. Oh, yeah, nice. Over the last couple of years, it's really become a, a stress reliever for me as I've gotten a little bit more capable. And so now it's almost like I look forward to that hour a day that I just sit down and jam some Metallica or whatever, Godsmack, Hard sure. Rock, you know, things like it's just like, yeah, get the aggression <laughs> out, you know, get a little creative. So um, that's been my big thing still try to just keep that one constant on a mostly daily basis. Right. But what about you? Have you found any cool ways to kind of dial back that stress from buying a house and changing how education works in this right. country? Right. Yeah. Single handedly <laughs> changing it. Sure. No, doing a lot of sinking back into my hobbies and finding a lot of things that I've, I've always enjoyed and just reviewing them. And so for me, it's been a lot of catching up on shows on Netflix and just kind of taking a moment to decompress. Been doing a lot of comics reading, honestly, because that's something, you know, working from home, video games, 
Netflix, all the above, that's screen time. Yeah. Uh, so while you use the guitar, I find myself moving into comics more just to go to that that paper environment where there's no screen, there's no lights. It's just a nice way to relax. So I've really indulged myself in my back catalog of comics that I've needed to read. I posted about it a couple of weeks ago when we were on vacation. I was doing a lot of comics reading and I did some Batman The Black Mirror, read that. I caught up on East of West and another big one that I've been reading is Red Hood Outlaw. Awesome. All those comics and then lastly, I shouldn't say as well, is New Avengers. The old Bendis run on New Avengers is something that took me years to complete. I have it in trade form. I don't have it in single issues, but I've been casually picking up a trade probably since I started collecting comics about 10 years ago And so I finally collected the entire run and was able to read the final trade. And that was pretty cool. Uh, It is the Siege tie-in trade Okay, for anyone that's wondering. And it was was nice. It was cool. And it it was interesting to finally read that and have some closure on that story. Yeah. um, Which felt like it was a little bit of closure on a part of my life. Like I finally collected (laughs) all 13 or 14 different trade paperbacks and, you know, reading them one at a time over the course of 10 years. Right. So to finally read that last one, it was like a weird weird moment where it's a final trade and the final issue does have this like over overall closing feel to it and so when i read it it gave me that sense of completion that's awesome and it was pretty cool it was nice to just kind of to do that read some comics watch some shows you know all that just to take a break from craziness that's going on yeah for sure it's super important i mean i I know probably everybody's figuring it out but i I know i have personally had to lean back on some of those activities as much as possible just to keep sane yeah. through all of this because um, there's just so much going on there's still so much confusion and and unknowns out there as far as what things look like moving forward and 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 it's also felt kind of weird right just to be a little honest here it's felt a little weird to also have a lot going on yeah. in 2020 and you know and, and i know that that's not the situation for everybody but for us 2020 has been this weird negative but it's also been a whole lot of positives yeah. and that balancing act is strange mentally it's strange physically we're living different working different you know everything's turned upside down and, and you've got to find ways to keep yourself grounded right so hopefully everybody out there has been able to do what they love and and find time to relieve stress and you know during all of this the way they enjoy but we thought we would just share some of the stuff that was really helping us out through all of this and you know you talked about netflix and catching up on shows i know we're going to talk a whole lot about games here a little bit later in this chapter but one thing that just recently came out that had us excited is the umbrella academy season two on netflix oh yeah i, I think you finished it and you want to talk a little bit about what your thoughts were and if it uh, lived up to the success of season one yeah absolutely i finished it that first weekend it came out crushed it crushed it as soon as it dropped on friday uh, i started watching it and then i finished it up on sunday afternoon and it's easy enough it's 10 episodes this season felt a little shorter and I and it didn't actually compare numbers to pick up on it if it's true or not, but it seemed like all of the episodes were in the 40 to 52 minute range. Yeah. Which makes it so consumable. It, it's really strange how different a 45 minute show feels compared to a 60 minute show. <laughs> it is true. As far as like when you go to approach it, I know, you know that everybody talks about that. It's nobody blinks when they watch three episodes of The Office in a row right. to fill 60 minutes. But if you go to watch an episode of The Wire 
and it's 60 minutes, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. So that, that's been something I thought was great about Umbrella Academy, that it was fun and fast paced. And it, it really just kept you moving. And one episode right after the other, like gave you the hook and wanted you just go ahead and yes, I'm still watching and keep playing it. Uh, so I thought overall, it was a fantastic season. There are a few knocks here and there I had on it. Obviously, time travel presents some issues. And I think overall plot points, there are some issues there. But at the end of the day, uh, it was fun and I enjoyed it. And I will definitely be rewatching it. Um, where are you at in that season? I know you haven't finished, but we're at roughly what episode? Yeah, we're through episode nine. So we've just got the finale left. I just didn't have enough time to get it fit in before, um, you know, we were recording this chapter. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, you know, about 90% of it has been solid. It, it's a ton of fun. Really, what I'm attracted to the most with the Umbrella Academy is just the characters themselves, the actual, yeah. uh, I'll call them kids, but, you know, they're adults now. But the eight that make up up the umbrella academy yeah all being so different and the actors do well portraying those differences between them all but then they've got this real kind of human connection between them even if they don't know it right so it's really created since even through season one and i think even more in season two a lot of really good kind of human moments yeah and character growth moments for all of these folks because you know they're all if we think back to season one they're all very much individuals at this time kind of separated yeah not hanging out not going to family barbecues and then as as the two seasons have gone on we've seen that really change and evolve to them being more of this family yeah that they're supposed to be oh yeah but all in all i I think that it's been good. I, I love time travel storylines since you brought it up, especially when they're done well. And I think for the most part, it's done well. There's without spoiling too much since it just came out, you know, they do jump to a, a number of different parts of the timeline. Yeah. And a lot of times that can be hard to follow. But sitting there and watching it with my wife, I don't think we really had too much trouble with it. You know, it seems like the way they presented it. Yeah. And cover things and then kind of use the different points in history. Yeah. And they do a good job of referencing when the the seven brothers and sisters show up in the 1960s because that's kind of like the big hook at the beginning is that obviously they all go back in time to the 60s and then not really any spoilers they all get brought back into time at a different point in the 60s yeah they all get dropped in the same place in dallas in the same alleyway, but they show up either a year, three years, three months apart from each other. And I think, and when I remember that first episode, they did that, I'm like, okay, I need to remember who showed up first in what year (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. But they did a good job of reminding you that, okay, so Klaus has been here for three years. Yeah. Luther's only been here for one year. Vanya's been here for a month, like that that sort of thing. Yeah, there was lots of little tidbits here and there to just kind of keep it all straight for you, which I really appreciated because I don't necessarily think they would have had to have gone that far, but they just they just put it together well. Yeah, it was well done that it's not being obvious and laying it all out on the plate for you. Yeah. Because there's certain shows that just give you everything. They spoon feed you the whole show. <laughs> and I and I know that like the shows that you and I watch, we typically, that's not something I gravitate for. I like shows that make me think, make me remember. Yep. Every time I watch it on every rewatch, I pick up something new. I like shows like that. Yeah. And so I think they found a nice balance of not giving you everything, but also giving you enough nuggets that it wasn't confusing for 
you know, maybe the average person that this is their first time even watching Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Or maybe they skip season one. I, I really think that there's very few weaknesses with this show. I mean, the writing, the special effects, the action, the performances, as I mentioned, they're all pretty top notch. I mean, it's not the greatest show that's ever been made, yeah. but I think that it's better than a lot of others. And and there's not really anything that you can or I, I should say this. There's not really anything that I like glaringly see as like, ooh, you know, that missed the mark or they went low budget over here. You know what I mean? Everything is is given 100 percent. Right. I, I think my only real knock, though, it, it's kind of a, a 50 50. Like, I like that season two picks up pretty much exactly where season one ends right and kind of continues it but my one knock i feel over this season so far and i haven't watched the end but it it is kind of the same plot as season one yep (laughs) that is my number one issue with this season as well okay that's funny we did not talk about this beforehand yeah and it's funny because that that has been my my big thing the whole time and i got in a discussion with another one of our buddies and i was like it's not exactly the same plot but more or less it's the same plot with almost identical individual moments yeah that we saw in season one like i'm thinking of luther kind of this is a semi-spoiler i guess but if you saw season one luther had that individual that one episode where he got really high and he went to the rave. Yeah. We kind of had a repetition of that this season. There was another 15-minute moment where he kind of got high and uh, on a tank of nitrous. Yeah. Those moments. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I cut you off there. But no. That is 100% my feelings that I love season one. And so, in turn, I liked the story that season one told me. So, if you're going to tell me the same story again, I'm probably still going to like it. Right. But I, I would like to see some growth as the season three comes around. Exactly. And and sometimes shows do this, and sometimes it makes sense. And so I think, all in all, it makes sense for them to have gone this route here. And I'm hopeful that we'll see in the finale that it'll kind of wrap up this part of the storyline so it can move forward into season three and beyond. The biggest saving grace to it, even though there are some of those major similarities, was that they do kind of take everything a layer or two deeper. Mm-hmm. They're building on everything they gave us in the first one so all of the umbrella academy characters obviously get deeper and grow and we see more of them which is always fantastic but then we also get to see some other characters that we didn't see in season one right or maybe some other characters that we didn't see as much of in (laughs) season one so i'll kind of leave it at that so we don't ruin it for anybody who hasn't watched it all yet but they did bring plenty of substance to add to a similar plot yeah which has kept me sucked in because i just I, I just keep wanting to know more and more yeah about these characters i love klaus klaus and five are by far my favorite i think allison is also kind of intriguing at times but i was gonna ask you who your favorite members of the umbrella academy are uh i feel like we we do this all too often where we have the exact same answers <laughs> I, I turn and i look at my wall of pops next to me and my the three Umbrella Academy pops that I have are five Klaus and Ben. Oh, and Ben. Ben is probably my favorite of them all. I think the dynamic that he's dead and Klaus has resurrected him. Yeah. And, you know, only Klaus can really see Ben. It is cool. But I'll, I'll say the season two, I've, I've enjoyed Allison's like subplot yep uh where she's gotten married 
I like the introduction of Ray, and they're in the 60s, um, and they're, you know, having the full racial justice storyline that they've gone on to and tied it in with Kennedy. Right. In the 60s, I've really enjoyed Allison's subplot this season more than I think I enjoyed her subplot with her daughter in the first season. Um, and I, I, but across the board, the subplots, I've really enjoyed. I like Luther's subplot where he gets mixed in with the mafia a little bit. Yep. All of those have really done well. So that's kind of made up for the overall plot, the overall story arc being very similar to season one. That is a good point. They did a good job kind of giving everybody very kind of unique places Mm -hmm. when they are getting into the season. Thinking back on it now that you mention it, I really found all of them very interesting. Like there, oh yeah, there wasn't really any moments where they were showing us one or the other, and I was like, ah, who cares about this one? Get back to what's happening with Allison, or get back to what's happening with Luther. You know, it's like as they're all coming through, it keeps you in, uh, engaged and and on kind of on the edge of your yeah. seat just to go, okay, like what has he been doing, or what is going to happen next? And so, all in all, it, it's a show that kind of came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't familiar with the Umbrella Academy before season. one one came out right because it is a little bit more of a obscure comic or you know i don't want to say b-list but it's not as popular as a mainstream comic published by dark horse right so like not one of the big two right and but they have they have knocked it out of the park and and i'm a huge fan now moving forward you know oh yeah yeah absolutely i'm same boat i didn't i wasn't too familiar with the umbrella academy when season one came out but i am fascinated with movie and television retellings of books (laughs) and i know a lot of people like are like oh you got to stay true to the books but i'm always fascinated by slight changes that people make um and as a huge harry potter fan it's actually one of the reasons i like the movies and the books like it's kind of two different tellings of the same story right not exact obviously it's the same like harry you know yeah whatever i'm not going to get into a harry potter discussion but i like to see subtle changes that you make here and there and i think umbrella academy from having gone back and really read up on the graphic novel and kind of everything that happened there i like the changes that they've made for the show that's great and really kind of diversifying the cast a little bit they did that i think that's awesome uh they changed luther up a little bit changed everybody up a hair uh some power is slightly different and I think all of it has benefited into a really terrific show that is bringing us into a new age of superheroes uh, where it's not about the powers. It's about the people. Right. Well, and I think, too, about shows like The Boys that is getting popularity. You know, we've seen so many superhero stories from the mainstream, and they are great uh, with Marvel and DC and everything like that that's going on. As much content is out there for superheroes, it's kind of weird to say this, but I think that there's actually a lot more room for lesser characters and lesser known titles to get into the game and get onto the scene because everybody is just so into superheroes you know yeah seeing them in different fashions than what we're used to like here or like the boys where they're all kind of like anti-heroes and stuff like that i think is super interesting simply because it's time for that evolution to happen and for us to see like not every superhero needs to be a captain america boy scout oh yeah well and they can all have personal 
personal problems. It's one of the things that everyone has loved about Marvel characters for so long in the comics that it's usually more about them and their day-to-day lives and what they go through and the internal struggle than it is the superpower, than it is the heat vision, the ice breath, the flying and the saving the girl. That's true. You know, and so it's nice to see that genre really coming into itself and and providing options. I think we saw the start with Logan and Deadpool where we're kind of, it's a superhero movie, but it's it's got its own twist. And now we're really starting to see like character dives in The Watchmen, Umbrella Academy, The Boys, all good examples of it's not about the powers it's about the people yeah i totally agree i am here for it (laughs) well kyle and i may not have taken quite the break we were originally expecting in july but it was still a great month that gave us lots of opportunities to focus on ourselves and our families so now before we dive into the games we've been playing lately let's take a few moments to focus on you the geek catch-up community a few weeks back we pulled the geek catch-up community with the following scenario You're down to your last quarter in the arcade with Street Fighter, Double Dragon, and Rampage in front of you. Which do you play? We had an astounding 112 votes and 199 total comments back to us. 25% were all about the destruction, choosing Rampage, with George the Gorilla as the top monster. 33% preferred the double mint brawling action of Double Dragon. And lastly, 42% were ready to hadouken their way to victory in Street Fighter. And to no surprise, there was an overwhelming amount of Ryu mains out there. We loved hearing from everyone and look forward to your responses in future posts. It was really awesome to hear from so many in the community as you all told us about which games you would choose. Rampage, Street Fighter, and Double Dragon are all super fun games. And I think if I had to choose one, I'd put my money on kicking ass with Billy and Jimmy Lee and Double Dragon. What about you, Kyle? Same. I love uh, co-op, couch co-op action. You know, I know Rampage also offers that, but there's something about that punch-punch hip toss. Well, and I was thinking, if I got one quarter, which of these games could I drag that quarter out the longest? Like, which could I go the furthest in on one credit? Yeah. And I think that would be Double Dragon for me. Mm. See, I actually think mine would be Rampage, but I still prefer to play Double Dragon. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Well, since unfortunately neither of us have personal arcades yet with all of these great cabinets, we spent some time with a few other fantastic games from the modern era, and we want to share some thoughts about what's impressed and or disappointed us about them. So first up is a game that came out just a few months back on June 19th and was absolutely one of the most anticipated games of not only this year, but of the entire PS4 generation. Of course, we're talking about Naughty Dog's The Last of Us 2 here, and consider this your spoiler warning as we will be talking about some of the events from the story. So Kyle, we waited a long time for this game, and while I'm still wrapping it up, you powered through it pretty quickly, so let's start with you and your thoughts. Did it live up to the hype for you? I will say I'm a huge original Last of Us fan, the 2013 first game. It is in my top three games of all time. So there was a lot of hype to live up to. But at the same time, I felt that game perfectly existed and didn't need a sequel. Sure. A sequel was gravy. You know, I I already got everything I I wanted. (laughs) So anything else is just extra. That being said, yeah, it absolutely lived up to the hype. There was no way it wasn't for me because it was just extra content. Sure. That's not to say I was totally pleased with every single part of the game. Okay. But in the end, I did thoroughly enjoy my experience. 
Yeah, as I mentioned, I haven't beaten it yet. I'm about 65 to 75% complete. It did get away from me just with everything that was going on in July. And then some of these other games, actually, that we'll talk about a little bit later that kind of stole some of my gaming time (laughs) out of nowhere from Last of Us. But I do have to agree. I think everything I've played so far definitely falls into the category of living up to the hype. Yeah, it is a great fluid progression of what they started in the first yeah you know there's a natural increase in what you can do the worlds you know look even more detailed and oh yeah the graphics are even better from moment one you can kind of tell that you're in for a good ride once you start down the path oh yeah and i wholeheartedly agree there i mean they bumped up the mechanics you know finally gave ellie a knife that doesn't break that's really nice. You know, <laughs> everyone's God. been trained a little more, so you're a little more uh, fluid in your execution of your moves. Yep. The mechanics are the same as before. And so if you were felt that the first game was a little clunky at times, it's going to be a little clunky again. They haven't totally revamped that. But the little changes they made, you know, and like I said, giving you a knife that doesn't break, the different crafting materials you have, all of that's been doubled down on. And they did a great job. But you mentioned it, the environment and the graphics of it all. And that's where I think this game truly shines, because every year that passes in the game, we get farther into this post-apocalyptic world. Yep. And the trees grow over and the plantation life grows over a little more. And one of the coolest parts of the entire game is Seattle. Yeah. And seeing what an overgrown post-apocalyptic Seattle really looks like, it was gorgeous yeah and they did it from two sides like you have the forest coming in from the inland and taking over the city you know streets and buildings with trees and brush and all of that but i also thought it was cool because eventually you make your way over to the water side of seattle and seeing how i don't know if it's necessarily just like the oceans have risen but more like the connection of the rivers and like the erosion of land yeah you can tell that the shoreline has started to move up closer to the city as well so you kind of get these environmental changes on both sides you'd mentioned just before we get too far away from it but the mechanics i definitely agree with you that maybe one of my knocks on it would be that the movement and looting mechanics like still feel a little clunky sometimes i notice like ellie has these weird high elbows so when you're like (laughs) moving around she just kind of looks a little goofy with her arms you know yeah where i think that they actually improved was the combat mechanics and i wanted to see what your thoughts were here because i remember the very first time i played last of us one like there was a lot of talk about how frustrating the combat was between being third person and very clunky you know a lot of weapon sway and things like that there was a lot of situations where you're fighting clickers you're fighting humans whatever it may be and you just die because you can't hit something or you get caught on a wall you know whatever it may be some of that clunkiness would come through and and you would pay for it i don't know if i felt like that has happened in last of us two like i I felt many a times where I'm like, man, like I, I'm getting through some of these fights a lot easier, you know, not having as much issue with wasting ammo from just missing shots like <laughs> yeah. I did a lot in the first one. So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were there before we get too far away from uh, what you mentioned about the mechanics. For the mechanics, yeah, sure. My big thing on that would be the game might suffer from not fully going one way or another as far as it, is it a stealth game or is it a combat game? Oh, okay. That would be my my biggest concern there as far as gameplay mechanics because there are certain areas of the game where 
you naturally want to be a little stealthy. Yeah. But the second you're, you know, you're busted, any opportunity of returning to stealth, you know, like hiding, waiting for everything to calm down and then reapproaching the situation as a stealth game is gone. Um, so that was a little clunky for me, but I, I did find you're right. Like I, it was smooth. I wasn't getting caught on edges and the camera wasn't giving me as much fuss as the first game around. So I totally agree there, but as far as everything else, it was a little more frustrating because I think in the first game, I took more of a stealth approach. I'm glad you brought that up. I took more of a stealth approach because I didn't want to approach everything as just a full combat. Yeah. You know, I took it as a zombie apocalypse. Like, you'd be as stealthy as you can, and then when things break down, you get through. You don't sit there and you don't try to fight off, like, 20 walkers or clickers or things like that. You know, you hit what you can and you get to the exit point. Right. And this game didn't allow for that as much. That is true and makes me think one thing I noticed was that I feel like supplies were much harder to come by in the first one. Yeah. And so in this, like in that one, I felt like I agree with you way more stealth, uh, way more caution in the approaches to the fights, but it was based on the fact that, you know, you only had so many shivs. Right. And shivs were really important. And, you know, if you waste them, you couldn't craft more, you know, necessarily. Or you only had so much ammo. And while some of those things still hold true in the second one, I don't find myself as concerned with using my resources because it's almost like as soon as you die like i've learned this is an example i've learned that after i get out of an uh, an encounter don't heal up right because there's almost always some sort of food health around that you can snag because i burned myself a few times like heal myself immediately and then finding a candy bar <laughs> yeah you know and it was like damn it because you you do kind of need all that stuff but to your point the final thing I'll say is, is that when I come into most of these encounters in this game, you know, say you walk up on a, a group of two or three people that are that are at a campfire talking, right? And, you know, there are scars that are going to attack you. Right. I don't even freaking hesitate anymore. Like, if there's a group together, I literally am like immediately pipe bomb, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Blow them up, yeah. And, and just take them out as they come running at you because I feel like I've had much more success with the new combat or, you know, know just enhanced mechanics and smoothness of the controls whatever all that stuff we were just mentioning yeah i feel like it's given me much more confidence to just blast my way through these situations versus like damn like i need to not fire a bullet here because i can't i can't afford it yeah you can't make a noise yeah well and and it's tough because the combat is fun nothing feels as good as swinging a nail bat into the side of a head of a clicker Mm -hmm. and it's brutal and graphic and crazy oh my god the deaths are just absolutely brutal yeah yeah. The game holds nothing back from that standpoint, right? Like, even when you die on accident. Yeah. Like, I fell into the water on accident at one point, <laughs> and, like, Ellie's head just, like, smacks this rock. There's just blood everywhere, and you're, like, like nothing is, is left out when it comes to how you or somebody else can die in The Last of Us. It desensitizes you to it a little bit, because you're like, oh, my God, I'm seeing horrific things, like, every five <laughs> seconds in this game, and the noises. And we'll get to the music and the sound, but ugh, the noises of it all. But I I think my maybe my issue was I wanted to play this game like I played the first one. I wanted to be stealth. Sure. I wanted to walk into a room, see 20 clickers, throw a beer bottle, have it crash, have them all be attracted to that area and then slip around to the side because that's how I might approach it in real life. Right. And the game was really pushing you more towards now engaging combat. Right. Ellie is now 
a year, two years, four years, I forgot what the exact timeline is, more skilled. Yeah. And when you play as Abby, Abby is definitely more skilled. They're much more badass. It's like playing as Joel, but with them. Yeah. Oh, I'd say to some extent, Abby is more of a badass than Joel was. I would agree. I actually have a note here and I've kind of gone back and forth and maybe it's blasphemy. I, like I said, I haven't finished it yet, but I, I'm at the part where you're spending a ton of time playing as Abby. Yup. Kind of preferring it more. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Ellie, but you know, Abby's a beast. She's got better like hand-to-hand combat kills and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Some cooler weapons. I don't know, man. <laughs> She's, but she has that legit crossbow. Yeah, oh, the crossbow is definitely sweet. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they did a good job with giving you some different scenarios in the combat, though, right? And there's definitely a lot of different ways you can still approach things. So it gave me this thought that maybe if we came back, played it on a harder difficulty, because right now, I don't know about you, but I'm just playing on the, the normal standard difficulty. Yeah, same. But, you know, maybe making a run through it on the harder, you would see the supplies be less, the enemies be more. And so you actually are forced to take more of that stealth route. But one of my favorite things, and I don't know if you remember this, it was kind of early on in the game because you're talking about throwing the bottle it made me flash back to this but there's a moment where you're in this like underground area and you're dealing with humans and then you run into uh, a bunch of clickers and and whatnot yeah and so i'm sitting down there it's dark and i remember like looking around trying to figure out how i was going to approach it and then i just pull out a bottle and i just threw it (laughs) out into the middle and it literally the npcs like all of the enemies they just went into this crazy (laughs) five minute battle with each other where like the humans were running around and the clickers are just chasing them nonstop. <laughs> and like I just sat there and watched it. And I'm not gonna lie, but that was like one of my favorite moments of all the combat so far was not firing a single shot, but just throwing a stupid beer bottle and then watching like little animated NPCs just terrifyingly run around. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I think I read a review where somebody had knocked that moment and said that at any given time the npcs and the monsters stopped fighting each other and solely focused on them and i was like i didn't experience that at all like because I, I very similar to you i i did that like anytime that was an opportunity that's what i wanted to do because if, yep. if the clickers can take out the wolves or the wolves can take out the clickers that's what i'm gonna allow them to do and i'll just clean up scraps yeah save your resources you know your health the whole nine yards because like in some of those environments too it's so dark because the lighting is so well done yeah so whether you're underground or you're in uh, a dilapidated uh, skyscraper you know like you have nothing but this flashlight it is built to just creep you the fuck out with the music and the sounds and everything that's going on the creaking it is a horror game you know and that yeah sometimes i think that kind of gets overlooked with last of us because you see kind of the images and it looks just like intense action but it is a horror game kind of in the same way that the walking dead is is very much a horror show right you know it's easy to kind of look at other things and take the horror aspect out of it but it's still got that right you know as yeah there's jump scares plenty of them right and so you know when you're in combat in some of those areas and there's a lot going on and you're running because enemies are coming from every different direction yep to me it's way better (laughs) to to go the route that we did where we let them fight each other because you might just get your ass kicked because you can't see anything yeah just let let them like firefight it out and why not that that was all cool the yeah the lighting in that game 
is awesome, which does play back into the graphics. Like everything was just, you know, it's frustrating, but it's all well done. Yes. So I had two sides of thoughts here with the lighting. Absolutely. The lighting in this game is very good and it makes me excited for what is coming in the next generation with ray tracing. Mm -hmm. We're starting some of these games here at the end are like probably about as close as they can get to it without having that additional technology in the build. But one knock I had kind of two knocks is that sometimes the lighting reflected off of things in a way that made it look exactly like loot oh and i don't know if you noticed that but like lights hitting off of water or if things were wet whatever it may be like lighter textures like you would get these flicker i'm seeing i feel you get these flickers and you think it's loot or something on the ground and so i feel like i've wasted a number of minutes just being like oh there was something over there and then there's not right but the other thing was i don't know if you noticed this but when ellie gets rained on or like even Abby too, but I thought it was worse with Ellie. She looks like a Lego Lego figurine. Like, have you? I don't know if you caught that, but like when she's wet, her hair it literally looks plastic. Oh, you know, because it's trying to like reflect and show wetness. I don't know. It, it, it's just like there's this sheen that went over her, and that's all I could think about was like when I'm in the rain with Ellie, I'm like, now I'm Lego Ellie. <laughs> I can't say I picked up on that though. But it, it's been a while. I'd have to go back and replay because I did blitz through the game. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I beat it before another game came out. And so I beat it in probably the span of like two and a half weeks. Yeah. So it's been a little bit for you. If you go back and play it, you'll have to check it out. But it's just one thing I've noticed is because the rain and everything, again, the water is, is very well done for the most part. But I think there's just some of those combinations of textures and colors that, you know, some things look a little bit like it just kind of gave me, it just made me think about like, plastic wrapped in like shrink wrap yeah where you can tell it's like hard and kind of flat but then it's got this sheen that's put over it with the plastic i don't know but it just kind of cracked me up yeah i have to look for it next time i go back so we talked a whole bunch here about kind of the overall game mechanics and visuals and and whatnot but what this game is really about is the story yeah so there were some really extreme moments in this story that get you thinking get you feeling i mean naughty dog once again is proving that they are just master storytellers but what are your thoughts on uh the story i know there was also been some controversy in the media and communities over choices that were made um so we can kind of touch on some of those things here but all in all what have you thought so far about the story so i enjoyed it up until a certain point and i say really because knowing you haven't beat it Yet I'm I'm going to be delicate with what I say exactly to not spoil the total ending for you. But I appreciate that. Basically, I'll say I'll break the game down into three parts. And act one is Ellie. Act two is Abby. And then act three. I thought the game was fantastic in the first two acts. Okay. You know, with Ellie, everything that happens with Ellie and Joel and, you know, getting updated on Ellie and then everything that happens with Joel. Because I'll just go ahead and say it. The death of Joel is crazy it was brutal and it was brutal and it was hor horrific like we talk about all of the horrific things that happen in this game yeah joel goes out you know and really puts you in that moment where you're ellie someone's got a knee on you and pinched down and you can only basically see someone's head you know it's, it's the glenn moment from walking dead exactly yeah and it happened early yeah i was surprised at how early it happened i, I expected it at some point in the game but being you know act one as you describe it was a little surprising yeah so that like i, I loved all of act one like you know a heartbreaker to see joel go but 
storyline, like, I was like, oh, man, I like it. Right. It's going to put Elio on a path. Agreed. And I don't know where this path is going to take us, but I'm I'm here for the ride. <laughs> and then Act 2, where you actually hinted at it a little bit, where you spend a little more time as Abby. And then, like, in whether it's her enhanced combat or the characters around her because i think they did a great job of introducing kind of like what the the wolves and the you know the whole firefly washington breakout group agreed with owen and mel and isaac and manny yep i love that group and i love seeing kind of what civilization would turn into in this post-apocalyptic world it's all very believable and well done very believable yeah um, and and I love the inter- introduction of Yara and Lev and the Seraphites or the or the scars. I think that's like a great moment as well, where they continue to call them scars. Yeah, Lev at every chance that he <laughs> has is like Seraphite. You know, like you're offending me. Yeah, like Lev doesn't let it go. It's like we're not scars, Seraphites, and loved Act Two. The issue I have is in Act 3, and it just felt like the game unraveled a little bit for me because it's this story of, like, the cycle of revenge, you know, for broad strokes. And you you get revenge in Act 1 of Abby coming back for Joel and then Ellie going back for Abby. And then it's like there's this natural, you know, this is my personal opinion, it's this natural end to the cycle of violence. Gotcha. And then Act 3 just happens. And the whole thing just completely unravels. And and I understand what they did. And the grit and the ter- determination. And not being able to let go. And grief stricken. And everything you've gone through. I, under- sure. I understand that. I understand the motivation. But it also felt like you ended at the same point. Uh, what was the purpose of Act 3? Gotcha. If we were all going to come back to this, this same area. And so that's where my big knock. I, I like everything else about the story. The way they've shown that world and the way people develop yeah as a society and the different factions and the groups and like you can call the seraphites a religious cult but like you got to think in a post-apocalyptic world that would happen oh yeah you know new faiths would emerge right that's mine that's mine it's just that act three just unraveled a little bit for me gotcha with where you are what did you think I've really enjoyed it so far. I did notice some of those things where it was kind of a repetitive cycle, some very similar themes happening between the two characters. And I mean, really, I think my only major knock on the story to this point where I'm at is that it's kind of like a a one trick pony, if I can use that term at times. Like you see things like Ellie as she's going to hunt down Joel's killers. And when you confront them, she just continues to make kind of the same decisions yeah like they're always hinting at these characters being inherently good in ways but then it's like they always kind of just make the same bad decisions or not bad decisions but like the same hard choice right and and i get it we see it in most post-apocalyptic things you know you have to be prepared to not even know yourself yeah you know like you are going to be a totally different human and humans in general are going to act entirely different than everything we think is normal and acceptable and expected in 2020 society right yeah so but you kind of like to see some of the different changes in character development and i think You get a little bit more of that from Abby from where I'm at in the story so far. I mean, obviously, she's... Yeah. Ellie and Abby are more similar than they might think. Well, and the story does a great job of showing you that. 
Right. But I feel like up to this point with the introduction of the Seraphites and some of the stuff you do do with Abby, that it's almost like we're seeing more character development um, or building. Maybe it's more buildings, the word, since it's a new character, but we're seeing more out of her than I feel like we got out of Ellie. No, and I agree. Like, and I think that's all was the plan was to make you sympathize because if not it's just like it's black and white true and ellie's on the hunt to hunt down joel's killer you know (laughs) as silly as that sounds but like it just makes everything black and white you're ellie you're good and joel's killers are bad and you need to get revenge and but playing as abby you really start to see there are two sides of the story and like like i said the cycle of revenge yeah um and and paying back and it's well done like we said at the start of all this, it's really well done. It makes you think and it makes you do some really introspective look into yourself and how would I operate here? And right. everyone is emotionally damaged from seeing father figures die. and To say the least, yeah. And this and that in this crazy environment is going to push you to do crazy things. Like you said, a lot of it is cycling back. And I think that ultimately was my problem, like I said, with the the final act is that it felt like it was just in the end, it was going to cycle back to something that we already came to. So I don't understand why we went there. Yeah. Unless it was unless you could have given me more purpose and, and more detail as to why we went there. Well, it's interesting to hear that, and I guess we'll have to kind of circle back once I do beat yeah. it, and we can have the the full conversation. But I was because it's difficult to sit here and say that without fully <laughs> explaining and detailing what happens. Yeah. Well, I was going to say though, kind of to wrap it up, it's interesting to hear you say that when I've seen stuff from Naughty Dog saying that they don't expect another Last of Us to be made and no DLC. So it's kind of interesting to see how, it, if it ends in a certain way, that you're kind of giving me some thoughts on, you know, if there's going to be nothing else after that, it's an intriguing choice to me because it sounds more like it almost would have been set up for a third one in a way. But I'm pretty sure that I, I read that, that they're thinking they're going to move on to something else. And this is, the last of us series that we get yeah i I had not seen that um and i won't say that it it ends where the like it's going to set up it ends and the way it ends is fine it could find it could be the last game the last moment and that would all be fine and make sense kind of like the first one did there's some open-ended questions and i don't need a bow but my now knowing hearing that I'm now even more frustrated with Act 3 because it it feels like it introduces certain things that I now want answers to. But Mm. yet, if you're not going to give me a DLC, why did you introduce these things? Yeah. Like, why did you take me there? Why did you show me this if you weren't ever going to give me an explanation? Well, who knows? Maybe we will get something. But I remember shortly after it came out, there was something I read that, you know, they believe that the sentiment from Naughty Dog was that it was going to be kind of the end of it. But it's also hard to say because games like this, IPs like this in general, that are so wildly successful, it's hard for companies and creators to just walk away from them. Yeah. So if there's anything in them that they feel like they didn't wrap up completely or aren't done with, then there's no way we don't see a PS5 version of Last of Us, you know last of us three well and that's kind of how the first one ended right exactly the first one ended it could have been perfectly done over and in my opinion probably should have been but we got that gravy we got that extra gravy that i wanted (laughs) and so they did give us a second one i don't know if you want to talk about the the social media because there was a ton of social media outcry and just insanity over this game 
I saw some of it. We can touch on some of it here. Um, I know I stayed away from a lot of the details personally because I hadn't beaten the game, but it was impossible not to see the headlines. I know that I saw stuff about people being mad about the sexuality in the games. I know that I saw stuff about death threats on some of the character actors, and it really, just seeing it at that 30,000 foot you know, headline view, I was like, what in the hell yeah. is wrong with people? Um, I think you kind of looked into some of it a little bit more so what exactly happened with some of that so surface level that that is exactly what happened a lot of people were really upset first and foremost over the death of joel and that oh my god and i and the argument one of the more reasonable arguments i saw was somebody being like playstation screwed up because they had a character that they could have built a lot off of moving forward because of like joel in the first one like so many people love joel they were like, man, Joel's like the next Crash Bandicoot or Mario or like Nathan Drake, Nathan Drake. Like he's the key character that PlayStation can, you know, have like hold the flag and move forward. And then they just killed him. Yeah. So people were upset about that and the fact that he died in such a horrific manner. But I thought it pushed the story forward and it made sense and mm-hmm. all did really well there. And then it took a tailspin into, like you said, the death threats of people coming at Laura Bailey who is the mocap and voice actress for Abby. Yeah. And people came at her personally and then came at Neil Druckmann personally. All because of the Joel death? All over Joel and then basically saying that they were pushing a social agenda. Oh my God. With the fact that like, you know, Ellie is gay, which by the way, if you played the first one, and you didn't pick up on the fact that she was getting like you weren't paying attention right right and especially when you played the dlc for the first one like they don't hide it that's not a like a twist that's not a spoiler you weren't paying attention yeah and then basically another big thing was well and then lev the introduction of lev who's like a transgendered character and they basically said between making like ellie gay and introducing a transgendered character it's all about neil Druckmann pushing his social agenda oh my god and people just got all upset about it were people mad that abby was buff yes actually yeah that that was the yeah oh, really? that was the next <laughs> oh one i was god. gonna go to is people were legitimately upset over her physical appearance wow and to the point where i saw an article where somebody actually when because when you're in when you're abby and you're in her little bunker space where her bed is she has her workout schedule on the wall yeah people have legitimately screenshotted that workout schedule and broken it down and said it's impossible for her to achieve that physical that um, amount of physicality based on that workout schedule and i'm like who has time for that that's so ridiculous there are bigger things happening in the world everybody that you don't need to break down a video game's workout schedule to determine whether or not (laughs) that character can actually look that masculine because it was one of the things that i thought was really like appealing i don't know if that's the right word about abby is that yeah she's ripped And you got to think, what is her day-to-day life? She's basically a soldier. Yeah. It would make sense for her to be that ripped. Exactly. Well, and that was my thing, was I started looking at it through some different lenses from the standpoint. I mean, it's not like you don't see her as a less jacked person. Yeah. Like, they give you different scenes to show that she wasn't always like this, but when you see that from the past, to me, it almost put it into context because of what happens to her. She becomes a soldier, right? Like, she looks no more buff to me than, like, I I don't know, Charlotte Flair. Right. But it started making me think, yeah, exactly. Like, women who are in these roles would absolutely have a different physique or maybe a more masculine physique solely from the fact that they're constantly doing extremely physical things, whether they're working out or just, I don't know, 
climbing ropes <laughs> everywhere they go because they have to like overcome obstacles just to travel. But you know, and they don't say this, so this is totally just my thought. But it actually started making me think, like, what if Abby was using HGH or some sort of steroids? Right? Like she was kind of on a war path, and there would be benefits to being as strong as possible. So would it be that crazy to think about somebody in these situations if they had access to those things? To maybe it's not a sexual based thing like we always see and everybody wants to make it out to right yeah just to say hey it would benefit me a lot to be stronger buffer faster yeah and make those decisions i don't know that is insane to me that that was actually what happened around the death threats because i when i saw the headlines immediately assumed i guess i can put it that it was around the homosexuality yeah because that's just still where we are in this ridiculous fucking world but to be i don't know if it's better or worse it's just more surprising that it was over a video game character killing another video game character that is absolutely ridiculous to me that somebody would then terrorize an actual human over fantasy and fiction yeah you know oh yeah and the whole thing about Joel I don't know about you bro but we've been playing as straight white men ourselves right we're straight white men for 25 freaking years in video games yeah like is it that hard to be okay with playing as some different perspectives or seeing things through other eyes like to me like I actually was really excited to see them take those routes because it's like I can't relate to being teenage girl (laughs) right let alone somebody going through the things that Ellie's going but it gives you perspective it makes you think it's good storytelling you know what I mean yeah I, I don't know like so I can't even relate to anybody that's out there like flipping their shit over something like these things oh 100 i the, the words you couldn't have said truer words there because that's how i felt i'm like i my brain can't compute like being upset about that and yeah there were a handful it, like it got so bad that like people had to get involved james gunn tweeted wow like he even tweeted basically like the last part of his tweet here is says it seems people are confusing fiction with reality in reality and in fiction <laughs> Yeah, like, guys, it's not real. Yeah. It's a video game. PlayStation isn't going to go under because they don't have Joel. Right? Yeah, it'll be all right. (laughs) And I thought it was crazy the point where, like, Naughty Dog also had to put out a statement and be like, we welcome criticism and a critical discussion, but we condemn any form of harassment or threats directed towards our team and cast. Yeah. Because, like, it's it's insane that people are going to get that crazy over it. And it's a, it's a video game, guys. Like, it's a video game. There are bigger and worse things going on. You, you need to just enjoy the fiction, enjoy the story. Yeah. And, like, have it be thought-provoking. And if you can't, then then don't play it. Right. You know, go go back to your whatever else. I don't, I don't know, but... Well, and it amazes me that some people, and I don't want to get too political here, but it just amazes me that some people can literally go that far off the deep end over just some, like, visuals. Yeah. Because if you look at the rest of the story, what's going on, what you're being asked to do, you know, those aspects of the character are, like, so low on the list of things that I'm even interested in or, like, concerned about, right? You know, like... Yeah. I, you definitely take note. I'm not trying to, to brush over or say I don't care. Like, you take note that these are big aspects of these characters' personalities and experiences, but that's, like, what makes them so good. Yeah. You know? Like, it makes them so interesting 
interesting is to think like, God, on top of being in the apocalypse, you now have to figure out how to navigate being gay. Yeah. Teenage love in general. Teenage love. Yeah. Like, you know, and so once again, I've been playing as, you know, straight white dudes like myself in video games for as long as I've been playing video games. It, you know, let's get out there. Let's diversify. It's totally fine. You know, it, to me, it's just about being more interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me something new. Different perspectives. Right. Like different views. And it, it just broadens your mind. It's not going to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to know the other side. Yeah. <laughs> It's just unreal. And God, to even think about like being violent against somebody over something that happened in anything of fiction or art, but, and it happens. It's not like it's brand new, but it just blows my mind that, that it's still a thing that society has to deal with. It's true. It's true. We got a little off base there, you know, as end rant, end rant. <laughs> but I tell you, one way or another, Last of Us was, was still a fun game, thought provoking game. We'll move on to some of the other things that we've been playing. Dabbing a little into the indie world. Oh, yeah. I know we, we, we both have been. It's just been a great time for independent developers to be pushing their games and telling their stories. So what's some of the other games outside of that Last of Us that you've been playing? I feel like I kind of like ran the other way in some things because, you know, clearly if you haven't picked it up, The Last of Us is extremely heavy. Yeah. You know, it's it's stressful and, and intense the whole time you're playing it. So I actually found myself at one point a couple weeks ago looking around the Game Pass on Xbox like I do every now and then just to see what's out there. They're constantly adding and, you know, subtracting games. And I came across a couple of uh, indie games that have been out for a while and I had heard or seen, you know, little things here in there but i never played them i never bought them but having the opportunity now to essentially play them for free or with that subscription i i pretty much jumped right on on both of them and really got into it and the first one i'll just kind of mention was dead cells which is a um retro styled like roguelike metro metroidvania platformer little dark souls kind of aspects worked in there but you have one one uh life you know, and then you've got to pretty much go back to the beginning and try and work your way through the games. Right. I started touching on that a little bit, and it, it was great. Highly suggested. It came out back in 2017, but has great combat, great graphics, great mechanics. Like, it's really enjoyable. But then that got me kind of down the path of being into these games, and I saw Enter the Gungeon. Mm. And Enter the Gungeon came out back in 2016, so it's been out for even longer, but... It is one of the highest rated games of the last five years. Wow. Okay. And I had seen like of any genre. Like, if you go look at the Metacritics and the different scores, it's like all nines and tens across the board. It is up there. But it essentially is a, it's another roguelike kind of game. It's a dungeon crawler, but you go in, you have one life. And you're trying to get through these levels, and they're done in 16-bit graphics with a very uh, Legend of Zelda, like old-school Legend of Zelda top-down view. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like Zelda meets Contra. So the view and the graphics as you're running through the rooms is very Zelda. You're moving room to room. You're searching for items. You're searching for hidden rooms. Yeah. Um, you're exploring this dungeon that are all procedurally generated, so it's different every time you go into a, a new level one or a new level 
level two. Oh, that's cool. Every run, the dungeons are unique. They may have some similar visuals or design elements. Like, yeah, level one seems to always be kind of like a castle. And then, you know, level three always seems to be some sort of like a mine. But the rooms are different. The enemies you're going to run into are different. Everything is unique every time you go. But it, it shoots like Contra. So it's actually a, a action shooter. You know, one of those ones where you use the right stick to kind of choose your direction and aim. And then, and then you're shooting. So it's just really fast-paced shooting action. And you're dodging all the other bullets from the enemies and really diverse enemy types there's hundreds of weapons hundreds of items and you unlock them slowly as you take additional runs at the game okay so up front you have like nothing and the game like in the chest and stuff you won't get much but as you go along and every time you get a new item it's now in the loot pool essentially Uh. and more likely for you to get it so you can start getting better weapons you can start getting better upgrades that will help you as you make these attempts to get to the end of the game so it doesn't carry over like you unlock a a laser gun and then now you can choose to have that laser gun at the gate nope that laser gun is now a percentage possibility in the first chest you open yeah exactly that's the way i've taken it so far is that you always have a chance to get anything because obviously you're going to unlock stuff. And I've gotten guns out of, you know, initial chests that are new in the first time. But once you have them the first time, it seems like the likelihood of you getting those weapons goes up. Okay. You know, now when I go to the level one boss, I might have that rocket launcher or machine gun or my personal favorite, the super meat boy gun, which literally shoots razor blades that bounce all over the walls and stuff. Like this game is so wild from top to bottom and it loads fast. The mechanics are really strong. You can bounce in and out of uh, instances, essentially, in just a matter of minutes. But they have such a diversity of the items and the power-ups and the weapons. A lot of zaniness, a lot of silliness. You know, it's really fun, yeah, uh, wacky kind of a game to keep you intrigued. And it's really hard. Nice. I've only gotten to level four one time. I'm now consistently getting to level two and three. But I die a lot on level one, yeah. too. I mean, because it's, it's that randomness to it. Even the boss there's three to four bosses per level that you could potentially fight so there's no like 100% getting like okay I know that I'm gonna fight this guy every single time and he's gonna do these movements you know it yeah it's unique the fights are unique so I really was blown away by it honestly and it kind of really cut into my last of us time because I got so addicted for like two or three weeks to like just running this game all the time and I still am like even if I just have a few minutes here and there I'll go in and be like i can run a dungeon yeah just run yeah run one real quick yeah that's cool yeah now when you pick up a new weapon is it like contra where the the new weapon you pick up replaces your old weapon or can you cycle through like pick up five and then vary which one you need yeah you can cycle okay and so they all have like their different ammos and different abilities but you can cycle you can sell them to like this little like trash monster that comes out of the sewer in the gift shop and you know there's like a a hidden store in every level that you can find where you can buy more keys and different items and stuff like that okay so there's a lot of little things subtle things going on in the 
game and it doesn't give you a whole lot of tutorial it doesn't give you a whole lot of direction it's also one of those kind of games where it's like you just you go in and you kind of figure it out and you find little things but it's almost like every so often every couple times i do a run things are happening so like after i don't even know maybe the first 10 or 15 runs this new npc showed up and he is essentially working on the elevator between levels that will make it if you give him enough materials over you know in a run you can unlock it so you can skip the first dungeon oh and i'm assuming that maybe you can make it as you go through that you could keep skipping dungeons so that way you could start closer to the end you know versus having to power through all how i don't even know how many levels there actually are to beat the game but it's one of those things like dead cells i heard it said where dead cells is only a 45 minute game but it'll take 40 hours to beat and i think enter the gungeon's kind of a similar style where the game itself is not that long but there's so many variables and there's such a higher level of difficulty that you really have to put in a good bit of time to unlock everything get the skill set and then go and do like uh, an awesome run to go yeah go through it all and beat it like perfect timing and perfect storm like get the right enemy type yeah the right monster on the other side of the wall <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds pretty awesome like and i and i know that it's all like that old like you said that old 8-bit zelda look to it mm-hmm. um which you know always brings back the feels the nostalgia look to it oh yeah is it online multiplayer no that would go next level it's got couch co-op so you can play with another person locally Uh, okay but i was really hoping when i saw that it had multiplayer that it was gonna be online because i don't know if i would play anything else right now if i could actually jump in with somebody else and attack it i haven't played it co-op at all yet but i am interested to check that out and see if it makes it easier if it makes it harder because you never know sometimes with games like that but it's not a platformer which is nice so when you come into a lot of rooms you kind of have everything on the screen and you like everything locks down and you have to kill everybody in that room before you can then proceed so i think that it would actually work really well with two players simply from the standpoint of i don't i don't see that you would have any issues with like one player being on one side of the screen and the other player on the other and yeah. like getting tough to see what's going on like you get sometimes with some of those games but all in all i i really don't have almost any anything bad to say about it so far and like i said i know it's an age game but it was new to me this is the first time i played it and i feel like it's gonna stay in my catalog of games on my xbox for for a good while it's also on ps4 and switch it really feels like it would be an amazing game on the switch as you've described it i'm like man this would be so much fun handheld yeah it's kind of built for that if i ended up actually paying for it outside of the game pass subscription i think that i would pick it up on switch just because it would travel so well and you know the controllers and everything it's just kind of built more for that platform in my opinion yeah and that's probably what i think like when i say handheld like travel with it it's easy enough just to oh i've got i've got 15 minutes but i don't have time to boot up my playstation or (laughs) you know do anything like here but i can grab the switch put it in my lap and boom 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 play it a little bit that's pretty sweet yeah so that that really was kind of like my surprise game of the summer and in dead cells i kind of touched on it briefly is almost every way equally as good it's definitely different because it's more of a vertical and side-scrolling platformer but you get a ton of weapons you're leveling them up the combat is really intriguing and like every weapon kind of gives you different combat experiences between like close range and far range and it's got that really cool comic-y 
cell shaded look to it. Okay, yeah. So that was that was really impressive. So I love Souls games, but these types of like the roguelike kind of older style games, Binding of Isaac is another one I've seen a lot that's kind of similar to this or is compared to these. It, they're not games that I played a lot before. Yeah. So I actually kind of have this new genre that I love right now and it's these you know because i'm like i've been spending so much time checking them out and both of them highly recommend but i think i would give a a a slight you know upper hand to enter the gungeon yeah and it sounds like they're fun you know not much thought there's probably a light story yeah nothing that you have to remember each time like it just makes it very easy to 100 pick it up play maybe put it down for a month come back to it not really have a drop in skill level exactly that is pretty cool i'm intrigued if i wasn't drowning in games i need to play right now <laughs> i would probably go do that but i'm i literally feel like i'm drowning in games like yeah trying to get one done so before the next one comes out i think if anything i would suggest just like putting it on your watch list right yeah and if you see that it goes on sale on the switch or something like that or if it's a free download on ps network or something just be like snag it okay even if you don't play it right away because it feels like the kind of game i mean it's five years old it's still going strong but it's got that retro feel so i mean i I could see it being a game that i go back to over the years or we just want to pick up and play something because a buddy's over you know let's run some into the gungeon like i could see it having that kind of replayability and value if you could snag it easy and even if you can't play it right now i'd say it's worth it nice yeah what's interesting you talk about snagging a game on sale because that's actually what happened to me uh with my indie game that i spent a decent well i shouldn't say a decent amount of time it's only a two-hour game but i spent a weekend playing okay uh, and it, it's a game called the first tree i have not even heard of this yeah. so when i when i saw you mention it as something for this i was really intrigued and i actually tried not to go look at anything okay because i want to hear what you have to say about this game i just know that there's some forest and there's a fox and you know there's a lot of foxes in gaming right now with ghosts of Tsushima everywhere yeah you know I, I just left it at that well yeah and I am playing Ghost of Tsushima so you, you brought up <laughs> Ghost and I am playing Ghost Ghost is the reason I needed to finish Last of Us so soon because I knew Ghost was coming and I didn't want them to overlap true I'll talk about Ghost for 20 seconds here the game is gorgeous and it's basically one long photo mode nice and super smooth it feels massive so it's going to be a slow burn because the game honestly feels like it could be 100 hours Ooh. but maybe I'll talk about it more in depth after i've beaten it because i have a very a huge comparison okay uh and that is the witcher oh and the way i've heard people talk about the witcher is kind of how i feel i'm experiencing ghosts right now that's a big comparison it's big and i and (laughs) maybe once i beat it like i'll dial that back because i've never actually played the witcher but you know in this then the idea that like side quests matter and you and you approach each enemy like i think of like Geralt, you need the silver sword and the regular sword depending on what enemy yeah ghost is very similar you get four different samurai stances and depending on who you're fighting the samurai stance will help you gotcha so you gotta be a little more deliberate in like which approach you're taking kind of stuff like that some of those similarities am i being approached by uh, a bunch of like guys with swords or guys guys with spears because then that's going to determine what stance I use or a brute. Yeah. But Ghost is absolutely incredible. It's gorgeous. But the main game I want to talk about is the first tree. And very similar to Enter the Gungeon, it's an independent developer. And it's a little dated. It did come out in 2017. Okay. Uh, and it's made, it was made and published by a single person. Oh, whoa. And his name is David, and I might butcher his last name, and I apologize, but Wheelie or Whaley, Whaley, W-E-H-L-E. So David Whaley. Okay. And 
And it's a very simple game. It's a simple exploration game. It's only about two hours, maybe three hours long. And you control a fox. You control a mother fox that's looking for her children. And while you are doing this, like it's these two parallel stories that are happening at the same time. You are controlling this fox and you're wandering around the forest and all these other areas and like kind of exploring and collecting. There's a narrator. And if I'm correct, it's this David guy narrated the game. Oh, okay. He's one, he's <laughs> one of two voice actors. And it's this guy narrating the game that's talking to his wife about a dream that he just had. Hmm. The dream that he had is of the fox that you are playing. Okay. And so, like, he's basically, he's telling his wife about this dream, and you are playing the dream. But then it's these, like I said, it's these two parallel stories. And he's also talking about the death of his father. Uh, So it's got some, some, like, emotional stuff going on. Yeah. And honestly, and that's, like, the one thing I can say about this game is, like, it is emotionally cathartic. Like, it just, if you have tension or stress and you want to just take two to three hours and just have this experience it's not hard and you can't die like it's you do nothing but <laughs> he's telling a story more than anything he's telling a story yeah it's and that's why like it was so unique and i found it because i was house sitting for my brother for a weekend and i didn't take my playstation i just took my switch and i was like you know what i'm gonna find and i do this every now and then when i house sit for him over the years i go and i buy a game and then i play it that's what i play that weekend <laughs> while i'm at his house sure um a years ago it's how i beat marvel lego but i i found it and it was on sale in the switch switch store it was like 90 percent off i think i bought it for like three dollars um and it just ended up being this whole whole experience where you're wandering around as this fox you're finding the different areas everything's cell shaded it's got that look to it but the story is so deep and you connect so much with not just the narrator telling the story about growing up in alaska with his father and like expectations of his father and what he wanted to do with his life but then you're also experiencing this game as this mother fox trying to find her children who are lost and spoiler are dead uh, and you find them as they've died when you're going around exploring are you ever put into like conflict like do you ever actually have to do anything in like the traditional video game sense like i don't want to say combat that doesn't seem like the right word to use with what you're saying but you know uh, like puzzles or you know just anything like that that you have to overcome to progress there are slight platforming puzzles okay there's no combat but there are you can basically you can jump and you can light like little parts of the forest on fire to burn away trees to open up a new area. Okay. So it's like some basic platforming things and like you can you jump and get a double jump. It's just really it's not about the gameplay. It's all about the story. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I was just curious if it worked any moments or anything like that in there to kind of mix it up or liven it up yeah some slight puzzling some slight puzzling gotcha but it's really it's more about just exploring the different areas and telling the story it's it's a lot about life and understanding death and obviously the first tree being like the origin of life and and a lot of things like that okay um and you can find some 
artifacts along the way. There's some collectibles and things like that. But one of the things that I thought was really unique about this game is the whole time you're playing, and it might be the most interesting aspect of the whole game, <laughs> is the whole time you're playing, you're collecting these little orbs. And like, and sometimes the orbs are there to kind of show you where to go. Okay. And then other times they're a little hidden and part of the puzzle. So you're collecting these orbs and they give you a counter and they're showing you what that counter is and where you're at, but you never do anything with the orbs Hmm. and so like about an hour and a half into the game i'm like okay well i'm sitting here at like 30 orbs but i haven't done anything with these orbs yet there's no upgrades there's nothing i can do trying to upgrade my fox (laughs) right yeah i was like i want to get a triple jump why not or maybe a growl or a you know a claw scratch or something you know it's like a pokemon yeah what you end up finding out is at the end of the game you're allowed to write a note to your deceased children and the orbs are the character limit for the message that you write to your children. Whoa. And I'm telling you, when I beat the game and I hit that moment where it's like, leave a message for your children, which also opens it up as a message for other people that have beaten the game to read. That's cool. Yeah, like that's your character limit. Um, and it's like, it's this emotional roller coaster. That's very cool. And then right, it hits you at the end and it's like, Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get choked up over this three dollar like simple game, but it's a whole experience. And like I said, it, it's nothing groundbreaking, and you know it's not gonna blow you away. I'm not gonna sit here rant and rave and say it's one of my favorite games of all time. Sure, I might not even play it again. I'm not even sure there's a reason to play it a second time, but to experience it that one time and to go on that journey was something else. Right. Well, I and mean, clearly it was done well enough that it impacted you on some level. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was an experience. It's really interesting to me because there is this whole genre of the video game industry that are games like this, right? Where they are just a video game version of a short story or of a fictional story. You know what I mean? And and that's all. They, they, they don't have beat-em-ups. They don't have all this loot to collect. They don't have all this XP to earn. And I've never personally put too much time into them. And it's not really because I don't like them or... or don't you know whatever it's just they just aren't really on my radar as much as everything else and so it's interesting to really hear because some of them do pop up every now and then and get this critical acclaim or you know people start to follow them and talk about them a lot so it's really cool to see or hear you talk about something like this and because i don't don't even know you haven't played too many of these kind of games either right no i dabble in a few story games like man of medin and erica the game that recently came out on playstation plus or detroit becoming human where like you take control and you have to make choices and it dictates the story and a few things like that Uh, but nothing quite like this where it's you know it's a it's a contained story and i'm taking you on this journey you don't really get to make any choices it's not like a telltale game where you're choosing every every left and right direction right yeah the creator wanted to take you through this and a lot of it was reflection you know i read into it a little bit a lot of it was reflection on from his part in the death of his own father. Okay. That's what I was about to ask, because it sounds kind of specific, and it kind of sounds personal. And so I was going to ask you if you had looked into the creator at all and to see if he had some really specific and kind of real-world motivations or inspirations for this game. So that's that's kind of interesting. It sounds almost like it was like a tribute to either, I guess you said his late father, or I was, you were saying with the kids, I was like, maybe he went through something rough with his own kids or something like that, but... But yeah, that's really cool. I might have to check it out. Like it just it sounds powerful. Yeah. Oh, and it it was. And like I said, don't expect anything crazy. Like there there's the graphics aren't 
gonna blow you away. There are some audio hiccups. Like it's not a t- it's not a ten out of ten. Like there are some glaring flaws. Like and even at some point you're like, man, the narration. Like you probably could have used a better microphone there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of that is there, but that's not what it's about. It's well worth like the two hours and just it's like watching a movie. You know, and just yeah. experiencing something. And I may have ruined it a little bit by telling you how the character thing plays out, but uh, it is absolutely worth your time. That's very cool. The final year of a console generation is always an exciting time as larger studios are pushing the capabilities of the hardware, making truly remarkable games like The Last of Us, Ghosts, other things we're seeing right now. But it's also nice to see the comeback of the indie game market. Independent developers are getting stronger and more out of the box with their titles, giving gamers across the board quality options. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this chapter, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get new chapters of Geek Catch-Up every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on social media, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Geek Catch-Up Podcast, or on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Catch-Up Pod. Links to all these accounts are in the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. Stay saucy, you nerds.